We are dealing now, of course, with the letter that Rambam had written to the Jews of Teman. They were under siege by the Arab Islamic fundamentalists. He has to strengthen them. He has to give them a good sense of what their principles are. And he has to make sure they're not going to fall sway to the arguments. They're arguing from a position of weakness. The Jews are at the bottom of the totem pole. The Jews are no longer respected or never were perhaps respected from by the Islamic authors. And therefore, Rambam has to give them a great sense of self-confidence as we discussed. And now the Rambam has to strengthen them by saying to them, this has been an old story. Jews have always been persecuted. Jews have... Here. <coughs> Jews have always been persecuted. And this is nothing new. There's been intellectual arguments. There's been physical attempts at trying to change the Jewish people. So, through the technique of strengthening the people by quoting scripture, by quoting different places, Harambam wants to bring them to the point of being able to stand strong and not giving in to the conversionary attempts of the Muslims. It's interesting how the Muslims, as well as the Christians, of course, before that, always felt this great need of converting the Jews. Let the Jews become Muslims, become Christians, and they'd feel justified in their own religious beliefs. We don't feel that way. We don't feel that a Muslim has to become a Jew or a Christian has to become a Jew in order to justify our beliefs. We're happy if he stays as a good Christian, be a good human being. We don't care what you are. Just be a good person. And don't attempt at persecuting us and we'd be very happy with the result. They felt a great need to forcibly convert the Jews and they meaning both the Christians as well as the Muslims. So this is what the Ramam tells us all over here. And then he, the last time that we had met, the Ramam was quoting from different Pesukim, different places, to give us the sense of how ancient our traditions are, how appropriate the Torah is, not to worry about their quotation of Scripture against us. We have our own that certainly gives us this great standing. Look at page Koflam et Bet, the last lines that we're up to. Remember that this, of course, has a polemical intent as well and that one has to read whatever one reads with the Rambam says over here with the notion that he's writing a letter to Jews that are endangered. Says King Solomon also Dimatano analogized us to a beautiful woman, the most beautiful of women, where the, they're perfect. So what's he talking about? What's the context? There's no flaw in you. The Rambam is saying that the same way Shlomo HaMelech had analogized this people Israel to a perfect, in need of nothing, a complete, beautiful woman, and Jews were that way as well, you need not convert, is his point. And he also analogized, now notice this very slight of hand kind of transition, and he also analogized all of the other thoughts all the other beliefs, <clears throat> right? All those other beliefs, that want to attract this beautiful woman away from her, but bring her to their beliefs. The Jews are now under intellectual attack, and therefore the Ramah has to strike them intellectually. Those others are evil people, that are polluted by all their deeds. And they try these evil bilyals, evil people that are polluted by their deeds, try to persuade women that are strong, that are strong in their virtue, strong in their virtue, to 
take from them to fill their disgusting desires. The Rambam is over here talking about the Muslims who are trying to change the beautiful Jewish woman. So he's using the metaphor of Shira Shirim, the poetic device of Shira Shirim, in order to strengthen the people. So too, only, he's not leaving any room for ambiguity. So too what has happened to us. Shehem Mashim, they try to take us away and convince us and persuade us to return us, to bring us to their religion. And perhaps there will be those people that will hold on and become confused with all of their arguments and the branches of their lies. Analogizing with a branch that is so entangling, you may be persuaded by that. And after that, King Solomon, in his wisdom, the short shuvat hauma, in the language for the, that represents the nation, as if she were saying to them, who's of them? They who want to persuade her to show her that their opinions are more refined and are more correct than her own. She said to them, What do you want from me? Can you show me the beauty of what I have already? In other words, Shirashim, yeah, the physical example, Shuvi, Shuvi, should I meet? What does it mean? You, beautiful, come back to us, the non-Jewish world. We want to entice you, we want you to be part of us, we want you to assimilate to us. And Shalomor Melech answers with, in the mouth of the woman, what are you going to show me? What are you going to do for me? What do you have? You can't show me anything that's as beautiful as that which I have. That our nation shall answer them and say to them, Show me. Show me something like Har Sinai. You had your 600,000 people gather at Sinai to hear the voice of the Almighty. You have anything that's analogous to that? Can you really convince me by that? Of course you cannot do so. <clears throat> there you had the encampment of Elohim and you had the encampment of Israel. One facing the other. If you show me something that's analogous to that, as Ashuv Asatchem, then I will come to follow your ways. You cannot show me anything like that, therefore I'm not going to go follow your ways. Right? Clear. That's a metaphor. Just mentioned. Return to us, O oh beautiful maid. Return to us and we'll look at you. We'll see you. Right? That's what the nations of the world who are trying to persuade the Jewish people tell her. Come by, we'll do well by you. So then Shilomor says on that particular point, he says, one second, what are you going to show her? You're going to show her. You're going to show her like they had the, the camps of Akash call the camp of Israel face to face. You can't show her anything. The joy of Asinai, which had the Jewish people, which says in Pasuk, Moshe brought out the entire nation of Israel to greet the Almighty from the camp and they stood by the, the mountain and Machane Elohim, which is as it says in Tehillim, Rech Elohim Rotan Afishinai Rotan Ba'am Sinai Kodesh, the Rech of the chariots of Elohim, the Botan, thousands of which all there at Sinai by Kodesh. So obviously, Rambam has to weave verses from Shemot and Tehillim in order to make his point. So this is a creative work. It's not simply that he's going to just take from Shemot and say, "Look, this is the way it is." He's got to weave his sources in order to make the sources say what he wants them to say. 
What do you want to say over here? That here we had this great, extraordinary event called Har Sinai. You had Israel and you had Elohim. They saw each other face to face. There were tens of, hundreds of thousands of Jews and Elohim. What, what are you going to show me that's comparable to that? You have Muhammad having a dream. You had Yeshu who res- rose, allegedly, from the dead. That's what you have to tell me? That's what you want me to believe in? As opposed to greeting God. Now here the Rambam is interesting in that he is taking a, another tact rather than the, what you would call the intellectual tact, which is to prove God through arguments, which Rambam does in Mordei Nebuchim, he takes the Biodai Levi's tact over here, which is experiential. The Jews experience this overwhelming manifestation of closeness to God. He now describes this experience that they had. And the non-Jew, the Gentile, the Muslim, is challenged to produce something similar to that. If he can, in fact, produce something similar to that, fine, we'll come to your side. But you cannot do so. Therefore, I'm not going to come to your side. All this with the interest of strengthening the Jewish people. You have the next page, correct? Yes. Look at the wisdom of this metaphor and its secret. That uses the word shuvi. Four times. Shuvi, shuvi, Four times in that pasuk. Liot liremes. To be a hint. We have been persecuted four different times to emerge from our religion, to convert to another religion. Bechol ahat. With every one of the four kingdoms right who's he talking about who are the four kingdoms and then think about what the reason is the Ramah is saying this one is you have Edom two you have Machud Paras three you have Van and three you have Shmael. again Edom is Christianity we've said that before Edom refers to Christianity Paras refers to the Persian attempt at taking over the Jews perhaps referring to Esther and Hashverosh the Greeks try to change the Jews as well Yavan Ishmael, which is the Muslim, which is trying to do over here. These are the four classical empires that try to draw away the Jews from their religion. So again, the Rambam is going to use the repeated attempts to draw the Jews away. Once you know that this has been the history of our people, you're less inclined to follow the arguments of these people. It's another version of the same arguments. You tell a Jew for Jesus, which is what we are now combating. And of course, it would not be a serious attempt if not for their success. Success, according to what we've read, their literature says 500,000. The New York Times reported 100,000. Let's say 70 or 80,000 Jews who became Jews for Yeshua, Jews for Jesus, right? Messianic Jews, they're called. In the 1970s, there was a program in 73 called Key 73 that were giving $18 million to go knock on, quote, no, knock on every Jewish door in North America to show them the message of Yeshua. So the, we laughed at it at the time. And we were involved in the trying to combat it. But it wasn't how serious it was. Well, that $18 million. So that's a lot of money to, to use to knock on every Jewish home. Now it's 25 years later. Should the organized Jewish community have responded more strongly? Is the interesting question. More strongly. Maybe we're strong enough. How do you evaluate these issues? I know that books have been written. I have myself three or four different books on how to respond to the missionary at the door. It's called Respond to the Missionary at the Door. Because they have all their Pesukim that we know about. We've discussed it. Pesukim from Yirmiyah, Pesukim from Zechariah, Pesukim from Yishayahu. Which all seem to prove the truth of Christianity. So we have to respond. On college campuses, 
out in the street, 42nd Street, you have to respond to their statements. Every place. They give you a little bit. And again, the vulnerable, ignorant, illiterate Jews do in fact buy their message. So that's another manifestation. So now if we tell this Jew, look, this is not a new thing that you discover all of a sudden. The rabbis have been aware of this for centuries, for millennia, for thousands of years. Christianity has tried to bring you over the line. And your great-grandfather and your great-great-grandfather withstood the pressure. They used it physically, intellectually, psychologically. Now look what they're using. Why are you falling into this trap? Nobody fell into it for 2,000. Why are you falling into this trap right now? Why are you not as strong? That in of itself is a strong argument that the other person heard the argument and rejected it. And that other person knew more than you knew. So even if you don't know how to answer yourself, but you know a little less, you could tell that person, you tried this before on me and my great-grandfather wasn't fooled, I'm not going to be fooled either by this. That's what Ram is doing over here. So this has happened again and again and again. There have been the four attempts as the mnemonic device of the four times says Shubi Shubi in the Pasuk. <clears throat> and they've all failed. Shadow of we have been four times persecuted by the four different religions. Islam, Christianity, the Hellenistic religion of Yavan, and the Persian Zoroastric religion. All try to change the Jewish person. Is Ram exactly accurate over here? Is he trying to be? No, it's, it's, he's made this polemically. Were there four or five times we were persecuted? Different empires. He's trying to tie together homiletically or midrashically like the Dirash. Four times it says in the Pasuk, Shuvi Shuvi, return to us the nations say. And our response to them is, why are you trying to, again, once again, persuade the Shulamit, the Jewish people, to join your religion? Four times. In every one of these, now we are dealing with the last of these, namely the Islam. God promised in the Torah and said, It will happen that they will force us to grab onto their sevara, to their logical arguments. As it says in Devarim Da'al You will fall to their arguments. You will serve pagan gods the works of human beings. It's for heaven. Aval, however, However, with all of that that you have to be concerned about, it's going to happen to you, the rabbis <coughs> have told us that that's not going to be a total envelopment where all Jewish people shall be attacked intellectually by these other religions. Right? It's going to be bad in one place. So it's gone, now it's bad in Morocco. Now it's bad in South Africa. In South, um, in Southern Tip. In Timan. It's bad now. But it's not going to be all over the place. So God has promised that there will be somebody who maintains the faith as it should be maintained. So it won't be all over the place. Right? Only in limited areas. So don't think that, this is, that all Jews... Now, if you were to hear that all Jews world over have decided that Yeshua the Mashiach and you say, I'm the only one left? So obviously I'm wrong. If everybody decided, all the great rabbis all over the world said, Christianity is the right religion, Yeshua is the Mashiach, let's go join them. And you were the only one, no, no, I don't want you to you'd be the only person left holding the bag. You're the last person in the ship. So, you can go down the ship, you're going to join them. You're going to join them because everybody's doing it. Collectively. But no, he's telling them, no, it's not going to be collective. You're only one isolated community under this attack right now. This too shall pass. So don't worry. There are others who are maintaining strongly their faith. Similar to, analogous to Shabbatai Tzvi, which was a different issue that we're going to take up in a few pages of the false Messiah. 
half the Jewish world followed the false Messiah, Shavatai Tzvi. It's astounding. Now today, we have question this question, how foolish should they be? Now imagine the following. Shavatai Tzvi announced himself. You hear everybody's following him. Everybody. Okay, now all the Syrian Jews followed him. So you're there, Halab followed him. Okay, so Syrian Jews followed him and Halab. Now you hear the Mexican Syrians and the Argentinian Syrians and the Panamanian Syrians. All the Syrians followed him. And then Ashkenazim followed him. And the rabbis who were challenging him were afraid of physical reprisal. So they didn't challenge him very loudly. Afraid of that accusation. So they tried to do it undercover. They tried to do it quietly. Good. So now you have to decide what's right over here. Do I sell tomorrow my possessions and go to Eretz Yisrael? Get the first El Al plane out or not? Imagine how Jews in countless communities throughout the world sold their possessions. It didn't make a difference. The Mashiach's here. I have to go to Israel's coming. He's going to reveal himself. Sold your house. Instead of you pay 200000 for it, sold it for 100 Get it? Just get rid of it. Take your clothes and your back. Mashiach's coming. We are now ready to join Mashiach in Eretz Yisrael. Get to Eretz Yisrael and... Nobody there. Nobody there. What do you do then? You go back to find your house. You can't have your house back. You have no money. You have no belongings. You have only your suitcase that you came to Israel with. It's a tragedy. Massive depression mood swings for these people. Massive depression. What do you do now at this point? We're going to wait for the Mashiach. We wait a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month. Mashiach, we didn't see him. He didn't come. What happened over here? He's on his way. He's still on his way. So what do I do in the meantime? Get a job over there? How do I feed my family? What do I do? So this issue of false Messiah and the community pressures of all those far-flung communities that had accepted this notion of a Messiah of Shabbat Tzvi fell by the wayside. Astounding how many Jews were convinced that Shabbat Tzvi was the Mashiach. But on the other hand, if you were to hear that there's a Mashiach who had um, announced himself publicly, proclaimed, and he has no followers, are you going to be the first? Why? Nobody's following this Mashiach. I mean, they have them all the time on 42nd Street all, all over Manhattan. They're always there. You see, nobody with the guy. So why am I going to follow him? I'm not going to be a big fool who goes and follows him. The only person. I don't need to do that. If everybody followed him, okay, it's welcome. Nobody's following him. So now I'm going the point over here is that this we know is going to happen. There are isolated communities that are going to fall prey to these people's arguments. But it's not Bechol Ha'aretz. It's all over the place. It's isolated, limited communities. God promised us, Torah will not be cut out, root out from us forever. And there he says in Devarim, Lord Shabbos that all will not be forgotten. So the promise is eternal. And of course, Shayahu is going to announce for us the prophet Shayahu, right? That he also has this statement that the sign. The sign between ourselves and God, and the proof that the the proof that shows us that we will not be overwhelmed by this attack, false attack on us. That as we maintain our Torah, our Berit, then we will always be preserved. As long as we maintain Shneimah, the pasuk says. Never will it ever deviate completely, will the Torah be removed completely from our children or grandchildren, great grandchildren. As long as the Torah is in the, in the mouths of our children and great grandchildren and all that, then God's always going to help us and protect us. So you're under pressure, we understand, but God's promise 
stands by your side. Good. So now again, as we read this, you want to raise the question, is the Ramam convincing? What are the people who are hearing this going to feel and think? Now again, there's two elements over here, or maybe three elements over here. First is the intellectual. That the people are saying, look, Muhammad is the final Navi. He accepts Moshe, accepts Yeshua, but he's the one that's the final Navi that brought you this Torah. And the proof is, look at us. We are successful. We are throughout the entire world. There's 1.2 billion Muslims today. So obviously, out of 6 billion people, they're obviously the successful religion. They've conquered, they're strong, they're powerful. Obviously, Islam is the way to go. That's one issue. Two is the fear of physical reprisals. If we don't convert, they may kill us. Two different elements that they have to, and the Ramah has to deal with over here. <coughs> so now he's dealing with the intellectual. We know their arguments. You know what they say? It's been said before. Some Jews are going to convert. That's what the tribe tells. Some Jews are going to convert to Islam. It's going to happen. Fine. We can deal with this as well. It's not everybody. Don't think it's everybody. So that's the first issue. So right now we have to deal with intellectual issues. Now, next issue. The gam now, think again, what role does this next statement play in discussing with these people what they're experiencing right now? Our nation glorified itself in front of the Almighty, saying to Him, that we are willing to bear great anguish, great pain. Betisa, we will carry the tzarot, the anguishing pains, that are heaved upon it. As the Pasuk Tehilim says, that we have been killed the entire day for your name. That is the door of Shemad, when there's an attempt at destroying, rooting out Judaism from the world, we are willing to give our lives for it. That's what Taylor says. So now, what's he, trying, what's he trying to do over here? What's he telling us over here for? He's saying that the nation glorified its martyrdom. At certain points, there has to be periods of martyrdom, periods when, <coughs> periods when the Umot HaOlam, nation of the world, are trying to change us. It's a period called Shemad, Shemandal, which means a period of great persecution. And we happily carried the burden of this anguish of these pains. So he says to them, look, your history has shown that others before you have carried that same burden of persecution. They've done it. Jalim says it. So you're not new at this. You're not the only one at this. Others before you have committed martyrdom to preserve their religion. He's not going to, at the end of the day, argue for that, as we discussed. You'll see going ahead. But he wants them to be prepared that if the issue is physical attack as opposed to intellectual, we spoke of the intellectual, now it's a physical, you should also be ready and willing to suffer martyrdom for your religion as others have done, as others have carried the burden of Sarot Hashmada. All that. Be joyous in that we carry this burden, we need Sarot, and we lift are lifted up by these anguishing moments and the loss of money and the exile we've said in Yanino and a loss at all of what we've done we've paid the price of being Jews we've lost our business we've exiled we've lost our money we've carried the burden that is glory it's 
glory face to face with our Creator. Kavod Gadol. You are chosen. Chosen means to bear the brunt of others' animosity. Take it. And take it. So the question I have over here is, is this convincing? Does this make you feel better? Or does it make you feel worse? I don't want to be chosen. What are they feeling when they hear this? That if, if somebody chooses you for the, let's say you're in school and there's a, an assignment and the teacher, a very difficult assignment and the teacher says, well, I want you to do that assignment because I know you can handle it. But it's extra work. It's an extra work. So, but what is it really saying to you? That you're chosen because you're good. You can handle it. So now, of course, your claim is, well, choose somebody else. I don't want to do any extra work. But in your heart of heart, you say, I'm proud that I'm the one who was chosen. It's extra work, more difficulty, more time, but it means that I'm special. I'm unique. I'm chosen for this. That's this point over here. It is glory to be chosen to carry the burden of Judaism. Kabod Gadol. Great honor for us. It seems as so far everything he said, and I'm the page of the but it's, it seems to be building up to, to do my Don't come back. Well, we'll have to see where... Well, where, 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 where correct, things. correct. You're right. But, it's, it's, it's but we'll see. That's interesting because in light of what his conclusions are, which we don't know yet, right? I don't want to tell you what his conclusions are, but in light of his conclusions, you have to raise the question, what's the point of all this? What's the point? What's he going to advise them at the end of the day to do? In terms of the false messiahs issue, which we didn't get to yet, in terms of the martyrdom issue. Now, we know that, of course, he expresses himself, 13 years old, Amohadis attacked Cordoba, Spain, and he had to deal with this, and he ran away. He ran away to Fez. And in Fez, North Africa, there, according to some, his father and he and his family, he was a young kid, all assumed the posture of Muslims, so they were able to run from Fez, and they went to Syria, and they ended up in Egypt 15 or 20 years later. So, We'll see how he handled it personally and what he's going to tell them to do, which is going to be very similar. But now he's just telling them this perspective, historical, philosophical perspective through which to see the agony that they are experiencing. Does it help? Does the broader perspective, the historical framework, does it give them any more solace, any more comfort? You're not the only ones. It's been predicted. God said it, but God has promised you're going to survive it. Don't worry about it intellectually and physically. He's covering all these issues over here. So is it working? If, if we were under attack in that way, would reading all of our works and our Torah and all that he's telling us to do, which we've done all this over here, right? I've gone through one-third of this essay already. All this over here is what we've done. Is it making you feel better or worse? And then you'll decide what to do at the end of the day based on how better or worse you feel about what he's telling you. Is he doing a good job? Is an interesting question. Let's go on. Whatever happens to us, it's like a korban. Feel special. It's like a complete korban ola on the mizbeach. You are special because you're chosen for suffering. Which context is this? Moshe says to the people, fill up your hands this day for Hashem's sake. Every man against his son and against his brother and to get a blessing from God that you are willing to carry out what God wants from you. Now that's a more difficult situation because there Moshe asked of each person to kill his relative, his son or his brother, whoever it was, that did 3,000 people were killed. And that was and only B'nai Levi had gathered and were willing to do this. We don't relate to that. 
none of us would want to do this. But, you know, if you saw your um, brother or somebody as a pagan, you saw him in the midst of the pagan ceremonial worship, whatever that involved, and all of a sudden the tells you, go kill him. Well, you wouldn't do that. It's not... Pinhas said it, correct. He killed. We couldn't kill. <clears throat> this doesn't relate to us. You know, our temper is, he'll change, give him a break, maybe he's right, I don't know, you, you know, you kind of relativize uh, the same. It's, you wouldn't take that extreme position. Although, there are of course Jews who would. We would not in this room. However, there are obviously people on the extreme right, maybe extreme left as well, that would fanatically take up the sword against somebody else who's doing what they think is wrong. We're not, those who have gone through the modern experience, those who have, are educated, are not going to also go cut somebody's throat because he's bowing down to a Buddha or to a Madonna or something else like this. Right? Not going to do that. It's not in our nature. For a lot of reasons. It's interesting what the college experience and my experience is more tolerant. Okay, it's not right for me, but it's okay for you. It's not right for you either, but maybe you're going to change your way. We relativize it. But the extreme fanatic, what does he say? He goes out and does. He's not going to wait. He's going to throw stones right away. They threw stones at Roy Fa'ud's house. They threw stones at Roy Shammah's house. They broke windows. Because these are alleged apicorsim or heretics. They took action. If somebody doesn't agree with me, I'm not going to throw stones at his house. I'm going to break his windows. They don't agree with me. It's fine. Don't throw stones at me, but I'm not going to throw stones at you. Here, the Rambam is saying that you have to be strong. You have to be willing to take action. Martyrdom if that's the case. Therefore, therefore, now the Ram says, those people who are in this great circumstance of trials and tribulations, it's appropriate to flee and pursue God leave your settled communities. Go to run. Go to the deserts. Go to the places where there is no communities. And don't be afraid. Don't worry about being alone. From people of your community. Right? Don't be afraid of that. And don't worry about your loss of money. That's small issues. Vis-a-vis Hashem. You lost a couple of dollars, no big deal. In other words, if their issue is one of pragmatic, how do I survive if the Muslims say, either convert to Islam or I'll close down your business? So that was some of what they were told. So it almost says over here, don't worry about the loss of money. Your integrity as a Jew is more important than your loss of money. Right. So they, the Jews were pressured. We survive if we convert to Islam financially. So what we're worried about over here is what's going to happen to us. We're going to be closed down. Well, it's just a small issue. You lose your money. So again, this is a pragmatic issue. There's an ideological issue, there's a physical issue, and then there's the pragmatic economic issue. Don't worry about it. Leave the community. If you can leave, run away and leave. Now, you might say it's easy for him to say. Where would you leave to? If we were persecuted by our host culture over here, and you have to leave what you've built up over 20 years. You're a dentist, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an engineer, you're this, you're this, you're this, you grew up for 20 years in a place, leave it all. Where do I? Now where do you go? Different country. So you go to a different country. You go to Spain, you go to France, you don't speak Spanish, you don't speak French, you don't go to Italy. You're losing, you're closing down your business. 
I mean, it's a serious issue. And they love you over there. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not, that's the, that was their choices. That was your choices. So now we'll go to Israel now. For me, Israel will be very comfortable to go to. No problem. But for many people, it's not. If you spend 20, 25 years building up a whole lifestyle, you have to close it down. Close it. It's interesting. We were just watching... Um, I thought I just finished reading, as I mentioned yesterday, the book um, Gone with the Wind. thousand page book. She was reading it. She wants to rent the movie. get the movie. She wants to see the rest of the movie. There you saw people from the South. It's written, I guess, I never read the book, but from the movie, from point of view somebody from the South, the slaves were happy, very nice. They were integrated into the social system, comfortable. Sorry? They were house slaves, right. They were house and there were other ones. There were two different types. Right, there probably was a difference. I didn't get that part in the movie. I only watched an hour of the movie yet. It's a three-hour movie. But certainly... Well, not tonight when I'm free. Now I'm not free. So the house slaves were part of the family. They took care of the children, all that. Then you saw one scene, you have this fantastic southern mansion, and the northerners, the Yankees are coming. What do you do? You abandon it. You go someplace else. You've got to run away. You have to run away. You have your... Everything that you have is in that house. You just run away. And you know it's going to be burnt. You know it's going to be destroyed by the troops, the the spoiled. What do you have left? Nothing. So do you run? Now, if you're given a choice, cross over the line, become one of us, would you do it? So from the southern to become a northerner is not too difficult. Although the point of this whole entire book and movie is that a whole way of life has gone with the wind. Everything that they believed in, everything that, that, that their social structure, everything. So I, they could not become northerners. They had a very simple answer to this. All they had to do was just simply say, okay, we'll do what you want us to do. We can't. It's an interesting issue. Starkly. And the answer is very simple also. Why didn't the South rather be defeated, simply just go, I'll say, we'll agree to it, become, we'll come to others, we'll do what you want us to do. And the answer is, that they were so, lifestyle, lifestyle everything, principle, everything. And, we thought they were going to win the war. The South, the way the movie presents them, was grateful for the war. We're now going to find, find ourselves that we're going to win this war, in a month. Of course, it was four years of brutal fighting, hundreds of thousands of people were killed, I think it was half a million people that were killed, from both sides in this war, the worst disaster for the, for the United States, in ever, Ever, ten times more than any other war that we've lost. Terrible situation. So at some point, wants the South just give in. So they did at the end. They said they gave in. They surrendered, and they said, "Okay, we'll be what you want us to be." But it took hundreds of thousands of people to die, and loss of everything till they got to that point. Till they decided they got to that point. So the Ram's point of view is, "Don't worry about your money. It's not right. Run away. Be isolated." Because. That loss of money is small compared to having a close God who is the ultimate in awesomeness, the ultimate in deserving of respect, Hashem and he'll pay you back. He is trustworthy, so what are you worried about? Shalem Sakhatov to pay Sakhatov a good reward in this one the world to come. What more do you want? In this fashion of running to this other place, the pious, pure people, those who seek the truth, right? Now, if you stay behind and you convert to Islam, then you're obviously not a seeker of truth. You're not a seeker of truth. Then you're part of the non-pious, non-pure, non-seekers of truth. But if you do, you acquire truth, you have to live by truth, him they run to the religion of Hashem at all points. 
from ends of the earth that are far away and they place all of their intent, all the directions, the Kamot Hasidim, to the place where there are pious people, so leave your communities. If that's an option, leave your communities. It might have been an option. We don't have the um, historical record. Unless I haven't checked it. I don't think we have it. I haven't checked I should be checking. As to what they said to the Rambam. In other words, they wrote him a letter. What does the letter say to the Rambam? Letter says to the Rambam, we're under attack. What kind of attack is it? It's physical, it's intellectual, it's economic, and yet we could leave. But where do we go? What do we do? So here the Rambam is answering them. Leave! If you have an opportunity of leaving, leave. Oh. Jews of Spain, for example, a couple hundred years hence from, now this is around, let's say, 12, this is around um, 1150, 1160, 1160. 300 years later, both in 1492, as well as 100 years earlier than that, 1390, Jews were able to leave religious persecution. It wasn't along the lines of Hitler, we're going to kill you first, next question is later. Jews, if you want to leave, just leave. That's all. You leave, fine. Again, I'm pointing out, it's not so easy to leave. Sorry? Join or go. Join us or go was the way that Spain Jewry was presented. And a third left, a third stayed, and a third were killed. That, that's what happened. It was a complex reality. Look at that statement. A third left. They had the right to leave. Many went to Portugal, who in 1496, then had this, once again, once Portugal came under the sway of Spanish influence of King Ferdinand and Isabella, then they also had to make the choice. And many died. Most died. Those who went to Portugal from Spain, most died. But one-third escaped or left. One-third died because there were attacks. There were physical attacks as well. And one-third converted to Christianity. So that was the reality. Sometimes the Christian came back and just says, you want to convert or not? Some ask questions. Okay, I'll convert. I'll convert. Okay, you converted. Water was, holy water was poured on you. You're now Christian. Your kids are Christian. But it's Christian. Fine. And you went to the next house. You didn't always ask the question. Somebody just killed you first or raped your wife first or raped your kid first. And then he decided what to do with you. That happened as well. Those are great moments of tremendous anguish and agony. And some early on said, you want to leave, you could leave. I guess it depends upon how decent the Christian was. If he was a decent person, the king said, get rid of all the Jews. That's the mandate. It was March 30th of 1492. You have till Tisha'a Be'av. So you had March, you had April, May, June. So you had four months to leave. So those who could, left. Take a, you, had, you had contacts, you had relatives, you had friends, you left. After that, then, you were persecuted and either became Christian or you died. Some of them, people decided to die, some were killed, and some were Christianized. So, all these, so one can analogize from that to here. There was a multiple complex attack on the Jewish personality. Intellectual, financial, emotional, psychological, and of course, religious as well. All of that is what happened. So, Ram was dealing with all these. So, that's what the letter to him said. We have a choice, perhaps. We could run away, we could convert to Islam. We could feign conversion to Islam. We'll pretend that we're becoming Islam. Should we do that? What should we do over here, Rama? So, he begins by lauding them, praising them, how strong they are, the historical perspective, all of that, how glorious and great they are, how jealous the enemy is, all of that is brought in this extensive essay. Interesting also is that we, in this edition of the book, started on page Kof Dalid, 104, 103. Now, so we read about 35 pages, right? And it's another, there's three more sections, it's another about 50 pages, right? So 185 approximately, with footnotes and everything else, right? So it is, it's not that long, but it's an extensive essay. So you raise the question, 
They asked him a simple question, what should we do now? He wrote them, he wrote 60 or 70, I mean, again, it depends upon the edition, this is a lot of footnotes to it, and a lot of, you know, uh, all these things we'll get to. But, uh, exactly my point. But how he slices it, it's long. So even without the footnotes, so it's, the footnotes take up a third of the page. So it's one third of... That would give them a frame of mind. If you just said, convert what they do is... It wouldn't be good enough. It wouldn't, it wouldn't take. It wouldn't take, it wouldn't be strong. Right. to build up their right. so that when they convert, they're strong. Right. And to ultimately return. Because to say to them, this shall pass as well. Okay, correct. So there's a lot of time, a lot of emotional energy in giving them that perspective. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Sounds like they're going for more. But we'll see as we go along. So now, God's going to reward you in this world and the next world. So don't worry about your money. Don't worry about the issue. You can, you can run away and leave your money behind the business and don't worry about that. So the true people, the pure people, seekers of truth, that's the, what they would do. Him, Borhim. They would run away to, to worship the true God from ends of the earth. And they would always try to find themselves with the other pious people in order to add to them the light of Torah. To have greater knowledge. In order to ultimately acquire the ultimate, absolute goodness from God. You will get that ultimate, absolute goodness from God if you maintain your religiosity, your piety. Now, interesting rhetorical question. And how could a person not reject, not be disgusted with the land of his birth and his family for the Torah's sake? What's saying over here? People may have argued to him and said, look, how am I going to leave my country of my birth? I've lived 50, 60, 70 years and this is my country. Interesting is that we are born and bred in America. Right? Into also... America? Wow. Yeah, a long time. What year did your parents come? 1917. So that's probably one of the first series that came here. Just before the war. Wait, wait, wait. So wait, that's 1917? The war was 1914. It took a long time to get here. Take time. Took time to get here, right. So they came a long time. It's 85, 87 years ago. Right. So now... We feel certain to be rooted. But think about the Syrians who came here first up. They weren't rooted here. They, had tra- they were travelers. To travel in those days from Syria, some went to Italy, some went to France, some went to wherever they went, to America. They were much more easily able to leave. We're rooted. He said before, where do you go if you have to leave? If there were not an Israel. Because we all feel comfortable going to Israel. That's an interesting, thankfully, psychological sense that we have. We can go to Israel. But pre-48, you couldn't go to Israel. What did you do? It's funny, that alone makes Israel extraordinarily valuable to us. Which is, again, people who condemn the state of Israel for whatever reason they condemn it are foolish to me because just having a place to go, imagine, where do you go? Spain? Italy? You have something over there. You have a country. What if you have nothing? What if we go to Japan? Orient? Where am I going to go? Yemen. Yemen. Go back to Yemen. Right. So where am I going to go? So here the Ramam is saying that they complained, how could we give up the land of our birth? Jews were in Spain at that point for a thousand years. They were rooted from the 6th and 7th century all the way over here, even earlier. Jews were there. Now it's the 12th and 13th century. 
Jews are there a long, long time. Your great, 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 great parents were here. They lived, they're rooted, that's their country. How do we leave our land of our birth? How do we leave our family? Shalom says over here, because apparently, some people said, well, I can't leave my family. Or anticipating the question, she says, well, how could you not leave the land of your birth or your family for the Torah's sake? Your choice is, violate Torah, give up Torah, and stay with your family, or leave your family and keep Torah. So, those are serious questions. And here we found one man, among men, who was not able to find a parnasa, a living, in one place, until he's able to leave that place. Go to another place. If you can't make it over here, you can go to someplace else. Right? Top of the next page. Change. Change exactly. If one place is difficult for him, one place is hard for him to make a living, then what should he do? Go no. someplace else. Find his parnasa someplace else. If you can't make it in deal, move to Brooklyn. Is that it? <laughs> As they say? New York is the place? Oh, is that it? Oh. And certainly, people move around all the time to make a living. Syrians had gone to Macon, Georgia. Mr. Hanono, Allah Shalom, went to Macon, Georgia. I said, where the heck is Macon, Georgia? I didn't even heard of the place. Macon, Georgia. Georgia that's born in Macon, Georgia? Oh, my God. They were Macon, Georgia, too? That's where my wife was born. I can't believe it. Georgia. What was she doing in Georgia? Was there. No, they had a grocery store there. Unbelievable. Who would go to make a just open up a grocery store? I can't believe it. <laughs> they had hospitals in Macon, Georgia? They had what they have in Macon, Georgia. I mean, that's, that's an amazing... I mean, I, again, I can't imagine... Macon, Georgia... You ever been to Macon, Georgia? No. You ever been to Macon, Georgia? I imagine... Take back down to the 30s, right? right 30s, 1920s. Is that right? It must have been a small, dusty town of... Very poor... So why did they go to Macon, Georgia? I mean, Mr. Hanono was there also. I mean, Mr. Hanono, you still, you know, the old Mr. Hanono. Oh, is it? Maybe that's why they all ended up in Macon, Georgia. When he told us to visit him when he was ill and staying at... Uh, Something new. Why did you go to Macon, Georgia? Something new? That's what it says. What, where else am I going to go? They always wanted somebody to go to California. It's amazing that people went to places to make a living. They didn't have no money, so they had a shuttle. They wanted to go peddling. Peddling. So my father gets into the train and I'll go. <laughs> where else going to go? Oh I go. Well, he doesn't speak English. I want to stop over here. He goes down. Knock on the door. He says, we got. What do you got? You got. Tablecloth, whatever it is. Schools, whatever. And he actually, people actually bought from him? Yeah. They buy. I wouldn't want to do that for a living. Now you can do that. But that time they did it. Then. They did it. Peddling. Peddling. Okay. Peddlers. It's amazing. It's literally amazing when you think about that. So people traveled in order to achieve a living. This is over here. Certainly people travel to living. Certainly, go to a place. Koshiken, certainly, when the place that you're living in is difficult for you from, the, from a Torah's point of view, from believing in God's point of view, when there's religious persecution, you're not going to run to some other place. If you're going to go to Macon, Georgia, for your financial reasons, then obviously you're going to leave that place where you're being persecuted, religiously. Go someplace else where you can live life properly. And he who is not prepared to leave that place, right? He's not leaving the place. Which, where is he's experiencing religious persecution? 
his soul will never be quieted. He'll be sitting against himself. He will become free to violate Shabbat and to eat prohibit, to eat unkosher food, prohibited food. And he'll think of Parak Melav to throw off the entire, all of Torah, the entire burden of Torah. You will feel that. You will pay the price for that. This Torah you cannot escape from. You cannot be saved from it. Even at Havazayakodulam, you always are committed to it. You cannot leave it, and you show it, and your graduate cannot leave it. Whether you want to or not, you are committed. You're part of the Jewish people. You have to remain part of the Jewish people. You cannot do so. And you're going to be punished. These are tough words. Very tough words. You want to be punished on every single mitzvah that you violate from all the commandments. Which I mean to say from the positive commandments and you also be punished for all the negative commandments that you violate. And don't think that if you're going to keep one or two mitzvot that are difficult to keep, you won't eat pig's fat because the Muslims don't eat pig's fat either that you won't be punished for the easier ones. You're going to be punished for whatever you violate. Don't think you're going to be able to free yourself from all these mitzvot. About Yerav Amben Nevat, the famous evil biblical personality, who in the ninth century took the Jews away from the pathway to Jerusalem and Hamikdash, but set up two golden calves in the north and south, and said the Jews worship these golden calves, right? So that this particular Sheikh Asamoji Anesh Alagulim, he was punished for all of the golden calves that he sinned with by worshiping them. Of course, his aim was political, not religious. He just wanted the Jews going back to Hamikdash. Once Shalomor Amel's son, Chavam Shalomor, had alienated the people, and they proclaimed him as the new head, he says, look, I don't want to go back to Yerushalayim, because they'll end up rejoining. I'm going to lose, so stay here with me, and here's your gods. This is the gods of Israel. This is the gods of Israel, the two golden calves. He got punished for everything that he caused them to sin as well. Chumochen, and so too, Ya'anesh, shall be punished, al shibitel, mitzvah sukkah, sukkot, because you nullified, mitzvah sukkah, sukkot, saikar, this is the essential principle, the principle of all of religion. Study it, understand it. You cannot escape your Judaism. So here the Rambam comes out very strongly on them. Don't try to convert to Islam. He's saying over here, and so you're going to be saved. Okay? All that is the first chapter. We finished the first of three chapters the Rambam is going to write about what these people should do. You see the carrot, you see the stick. You see the philosophical framework. You see the economic side of it. All this is included over here. And of course, he had told us early on that remember, this is all predicted in Daniel. Said it's going to happen. Somebody's going to come from their other religions. They're going to try to convert you. They're going to try to change you. They're going to persecute you. But you are, you are going to emerge from this unscathed. Don't give up a temporary for a temporary salvation the eternal bliss, the great reward that you will get. You're going to emerge with fine. Don't worry about it. But if you, do, if you do convert and you do give up, it says you're going to be punished. So we have to see where he's going to take this argument next time. Yes? Come to Menachan Avit and